This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. From baseball's top personalities, the Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players, five time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. <laughs> You would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We've got Brent Rooker stop by to talk some hitting. Love having Rook on and going over his season. Our buddy Roxy Bernstein, who's been covering the baseball playoffs and calling play-by-play for ESPN. And Scott Braun, former MLB Network broadcaster, now with foul territory, all coming your way. But let's start off with the man that hit 30 home runs. Here's Brent Rooker. Rook, how you doing? Welcome welcome back to Ace Cast Live. Yeah, man. Thank y'all for having me. Always good to be here. So, uh, have we been doing any country concerts? Any singing on stage? What's been going on since we last saw you? None of that. None of that recently. Uh, just a lot of hanging out. A lot of not doing. A, not doing a lot at all. Um, mixing in some golf for my off season. Kind yeah, of like to do. Besides that, um, not a lot going on. You know, I for all of us because the A's wanted all of us to take some time off. So we basically took two weeks off because we normally go straight into the postseason and we do the shows through the postseason, but they wanted to take time off. For you, how important was it for you to be able to sit back, kind of detach from it, and start the reflection on your first full season in the big leagues? Yeah, I think that's at that time definitely important, um, mentally and physically, both just kind of decompress. Um you know, from the daily grind of it a little bit on, on the year and, and what you did well, what you didn't do well. And then also, you know, take take two or three weeks, whatever it is, to let your body kind of recover, um, you know, from, from getting after it for whatever it was, seven straight months, uh, 162 games. So, uh, yeah, that, that little – no, it's like a two-week period after, after the season ends. You just kind of step away from everything, uh, let your body, your mind both be compressed, and then you're ready to get back after for the offseason. This was a question I, w- I would not ask you during the regular season. I knew I'd wait until after the season or even spring training. I, I do want to know, you got out to such a hot start. How much added pressure did that hot start put on you, or maybe it didn't put any at all? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think anytime something like that happens and the expectations um, for yourself, uh, both internally and externally coming from other people, uh, gets raised to such a lofty standard, I think that's going to have an effect. I think, uh, I think I did a pretty good job managing that, though. I think I, think I went through a little period after that kind of hot start where I obviously struggled for a while, but I was able to continue working, um, you know, both with, with, our, with our baseball staff as well as, uh, as with uh, Ben Strack, our mental skills guy, to kind of continue working on confidence through struggles and things like that. And I was able to come out of it on the other end. And I think, the, you know, when I kind of reflect on my year, obviously um, I'm happy with how the year went as a whole, but I think the thing I'm most proud of and the thing that, um, you know, encourages me the most about it is how I was able to finish. I had a really good yeah. last month and a half, two months ago. Um, and I think that, after going through, uh, you know, kind of a lull, uh, the, the, when that, uh, you know, May and June period to be able to come out of that and finish really strong, um, was super encouraging for me. And it's, it's something that I'm going to be able to build up of for sure. I, I, I agree with you 100%. The way you finished was really, really strong. And it also, not only your finish, 
But the reflection on some of the young guys, when we saw Geloff emerge, we saw Ryan Noda come back from the broken jaw, and he finished strong. So not, not only talk about how it was important that you finished strong, but the guys that are going to be here next year, you helped them get across the line also. Yeah, I think uh, I think we built a lot of momentum for the last two, two and a half months or so, like you said, with with Noda coming back, continue to be who he was early on, um, just further establishing himself and, and building his identity, Geloff playing like he did, uh, Law getting a lot of experience, getting a lot of at-bats, Sodi getting some experience, a lot of young guys like that, uh, Jordan Diaz continuing to get to play a lot. Uh, I think we built a lot of momentum going into the next year that we were kind of able to um, – get a lot of guys experience and a lot of guys learned a lot, a lot of guys improved. And then also we kind of got the, the feeling of what it's going to be like to play together next year. You know, that the group that was out there at the end of the year, um, is going to be pretty similar. I would imagine to what it looks like early next year and moving yeah. into moving into next season. So I think, you know, getting out there, getting to play together, um, figuring out how we communicate as a group, um, you know, how, how our dynamic works is going to be huge for us next year as well. I think about when you left spring training, Last year, kind of whose pitching was really up in the air. Now that we've seen J.P. Sears go 32 starts, now we've seen all these different arms, and at the end of the year, here comes Boyle, here comes Estes. I have to think from a guy that's watching a lot of the pitching, you have to say, wow, the competition in the arms in spring training next year are going to be far different than what you had last year. Yeah, I think so. I think there's probably going to be, you know, seven, eight guys um, at least coming into camp with a chance to win starting spots. Um, you know, you, you, you think JP has a good a good shot at one of those after making every start this year and throwing out he did. Uh, Joe coming up and doing what he did at the end of the year was cool. Uh, you're going to have, obviously, Paul, hopefully healthy for a full season, who's going to go back out there and, and do what he does. Um, you know, not to mention the young guys, Joey and, and uh, Medina as well, as well as a ton of other guys. I'm sure I'm missing some, but um, you know, Ken, what Ken did, the way Ken improved throughout the entire year was really encouraging and fun to watch. Uh, I think, you know, as, as far as anybody on our team, um, from where they started in spring or the end of the year, Ken might have made as, as, as big a stride as anybody. He finished the year as a yeah. really, really strong starting pitch, making some really quality starts. So uh, there's going to be a bunch of competition for those for those five spots in spring, um, and I'm excited to watch it play out as, as, as I think everybody in our organization and our team is as well. I talk about this all the time where the offseason, the training, obviously, we just think about you guys working out, but the training is not only physical, it's mental. This offseason is going to be different from you. This is not going to be about, well, I'm getting an invitation. I'm, I'm trying to make a club. You're on this club. You're going to be a big part of this club next year. So just I know you, you may have started or you're going to start at some point. How is this offseason, the training, both physical and mental, going to be different from years past? And now you're truly you got a better idea of what it takes to last for an entire season. Sure. Um, yeah, the, the off season and the spring experience is definitely going to be um, unique for me. It's going to be different for me to the name that I've experienced just because I'm coming into to camp knowing that, you know, I'm going to be looked to looked at as, as being a guy to hit the middle, middle of the order all season and produce. And I think, you know, in the past, the off season has been spent trying to figure out, okay, how do I get to the big leagues? How do I stay there? What do I do? And now it's like, okay, I've got the full season of bats. What did we do well? What did we not do as well? Where are the you know where are the margins we can improve on um, to ultimately take the next step forward as a player and that's kind of what I've started to reflect on this last week talking to to people I trust about that um, figuring out what I want to attack you know where the biggest gains can be made this off season um, and ultimately what what 
what allows me, like I said, to take that next step as a player next year. So um, I'm excited about it. I think, um, like I said, I'm super encouraged with how I finished the year. I think I learned a lot throughout the course of the entire season. I think I'm, I'm going to be able to do some things this winter um, and in the spring as well and early next year that's going to that's help me um, you know, continue to improve and ultimately just be as good as I can be. How much fun are you having out there on Twitter during the playoffs? I've been seeing you tweeting up, and you're tweeting with fans, and next thing you know, there's debates over the sweeper, and is it a slurve? Is it just a bigger slider? How much fun are you having that with that interaction? Yeah, I mean, it's a good time. People get worked up about it, but um, <laughs> the, the way – I mean, people get worked up about everything on Twitter, obviously, but – uh, you know, the way I see, it, I think I just think there's a gap between the way that we as players kind of see and understand the game um, and what's going on on our TVs, just from being in it and all the all the information we're exposed to and have the have the uh, have access to, um, and then what fans see. So all I'm trying to do is just kind of bridge that gap a little bit because I know there's a, there's a ton of of super passionate baseball fans who all they want to do is learn more about the game, learn more about what's happening in the modern version of the game. And they they ask good questions. They're curious. They're engaging, and it's really fun to talk to and engage with those people. I mean, there's always the the the, the vocal minority is exists in any sect of the population that are going to be loud, obnoxious, and just try to be um, try to disagree with anything or try to be contrarian. But I think I think I've had a good time um, just talking to and engaging with a lot of the the baseball fan population who's genuinely curious to learn and, and just wants to understand the game at a higher level. Well, yeah, and the and this whole debate over the sweeper. I mean, I'm not going to mention. But, you know, whether it's here or when I'm doing TV on NBC, I work with some old pitchers that they go, ah, hogwash, the sweeper thing. Now the sweeper is real. And you even brought up Adam Wainwright when he was working the postseason. He brought it up. I mean, you're the guy facing it. You're the guy seeing it. Fans need to realize this new pitch, they gave it a new name. The only reason why they gave it a new name is because the date is different. It is a different pitch. The way it the way it crosses home plate, uh, you, you know, we're always looking at stuff with vertical and horizontal. The way it goes horizontal, it's a different pitch. You're seeing it. You're the guy swinging at it. Yeah, and I think that, that kind of goes back to what I'm saying, the information we have access to. If, I mean, you can look at – you can look at the movement plots of pitchers and the way their pitch, their pitches move, and it's it is at a different place on the movement plot, plot than a slider is. It's at a different place on the movement plot than a slurve is. It's at a different place on the movement plot as a curveball is. So it's just like if you look at the way these pitches grade out and the way that they come across, you know, when the when the track man or the Hawkeye or whatever it is reads the induced vertical break, the horizontal break, the spin axis, all this stuff, it's pretty clearly it's its own thing. And it's not that they people just started throwing it. It's that we just started separating it from the normal slider. So instead of calling everything a slider, we're now calling this one thing a slider and starting thing a sweeper. And it's just not that big of a change. People want to people want to claim that, or people think that people that we are claiming that we've invented a new pitch, and that's not the case at all. We've just started classifying this certain sect of a slider as its own pitch to make it more easily identifiable. And if you look in a movement plot, it's pretty obvious that, they, that it exists uh, in the way that I just described it. How much are you watching the playoffs? Uh, all of it. I love the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you said that because because we we've we uh, we almost feel like we've cracked the code here because a lot of people ha- have tried to say that the the playoffs is just it's randomness. 
I've kind of flipped the script on that going, you know what, the regular season where you got the Angels using 66 players, the Braves use 53, there's a lot of randomness for six-plus months in Major League Baseball. But when you get to the postseason, you slim it down in the postseason. It's only your best players. It's only your best pitchers. What what, what do you think you're learning from watching this postseason? I think I think what you just said is exactly right. Um, is you you get to the obviously, you know, teams throughout the regular season they give that they give guys off days, or, or one guy might get a DH day to get some rest. But in the postseason, it's like these guys are throwing out the same for the most part. Obviously, one or two maybe positions will switch, but they're throwing out the same lineup out there every single night because this is the lineup they want to go compete with when it matters the most. And I think that's fun to watch. It's 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 fun to watch, um, you know, the, the guys you want to see hit get all the important at-bats, um, which is really cool. But I think, uh, I think you know, the thing that we're learning is is that there's different ways to, or there's ways to construct teams that are, that are, that are better built for playoffs than maybe other ones. Um, and I don't know if we know exactly what those details are. Or I'm, I mean, I'm sure people do. I'm not a GM or there's people way smarter than me, but um, the teams are kind of built to get hot at the right moment. And it gives any team that makes the playoffs a chance to win. And I think that's what makes our sport so cool. Any big off-season plans? No, no, not really. Just going to be around, um, you know, the normal stuff. Like I said, work out, uh, play golf, hang out with my kid, and then um, start 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 doing baseball stuff here. Maybe a month or so, start swinging the bat, start throwing a little bit, and just get ready for spring. Well, we're hoping for a, a big year from you. I mean, this past year was tremendous growth and what next year could bring. But let's just end on this. And you, and you, you mentioned your kid. You know, forever now you will live on baseball reference, and forever there will be that 30 spot in the home run column. Just how big was that for you to get to that number? Because that number is a really large special number. It is. It was cool. And, and when you look at it practically, um, 30 and 29 are not that big of a difference. Obviously, it's just one home run. 29 would have still been a really good year. But to get the 30th um, to kind of reach that benchmark and that goal was, was super special. And um, I'm, I'm going to say I went up that last bat of my season and it was going to go one or two ways. I was going to hit a homer or I was going to swing and miss three times. We were going to go for it. Um, and I went up there, and I got a good pitch to hit and put a good swing on it and was able to get there, which is really cool. Well, congratulations on everything. I know it was a big year for you, a big year for your family. Enjoy the off season. Have good holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, everything. And before we know it, we'll see you down in Mesa, Arizona. That's right, guys. Can't wait. See you all then. Take care. Brent Rooker. That's a big deal, man. That's a big deal. We have Rock. Well, bring Roxy up. Don't be texting me. Bring him up. What's up, Roxy? Hi there, Uncle Townie. How are you? Uh, you heard me. By the way, once again, Cody, where'd you go? Cody, what, what, what do you have in the NLCS? Uh, I have the uh, I have the Diamondbacks in seven. That means he's guessing. Whenever someone says seven, they're guessing. I'm going Diamondbacks. In six, I believe in these snakes, Roxy. What do you got? You're both on the Tory Lovello train, huh? Love, trust, commitment, and effort. We always root for A's. Well, here here's the thing about that. When I, I'm thinking about the matchup between these two teams, Chris, is Corbin Carroll the best player in the series? What do you, you know, think? There's a there's a whole thing about ro- guys, rookies, ALCS. I got a whole list. One of them's Walt Weiss, by mm-hmm. the way, in 1988 against the Boston Red Sox. 
Uh, he does it all. He does it all. I mean, I, I know right now Castellanos is doing historic things. Bryce Harper turns 31 today. He's been incredible. Trey Turner, ever since they started cheering him and not booing him, he's been a different guy. But, yeah, when you talk about somebody that does it all, Corbin Carroll is a very – I mean, you could dunk on him, but I tell you what, he he, he is uh, – he's not only a tremendous baseball player, but he's a special athlete. And so not only possibly Arizona has the best player in the series, right, Chris? But is Zach Gallon yeah. the best pitcher in this series? Zach Wheeler is pretty historic, though, when he, when it looks yeah. at his postseason. So I but don't know. Gallon is terrific in his two postseason starts so far. And so yeah. if you have the best player and you have the best pitcher in the series, that would make you feel pretty good about your chances, wouldn't you think? I got D-backs in six. And there's something to be said when you look at the metrics for this Arizona team. And who are the top two defensive teams in baseball this year? They're both still playing. It's the Diamondbacks and it's the Rangers. And there's something to that. And yes. they're yes. athletic. Arizona catches the ball. They. It's funny because they haven't really been slugging much this year. They're middle to bottom as far as home runs go but not in the postseason, And it's changed a little bit. I, I think a key is we'll see how healthy Gabriel Moreno is after he took that tip off the hand um, in, in game three of the NLDS. Um, Arizona said that there's no fracture. It's fine. Everything's good. He's critical to what they do and how strong they are defensively, especially up the middle with Moreno behind the plate. You got Cattell Marte and Geraldo Perdomo at, at second and short. Alec Thomas, who's had a good postseason in center, um, mentioned Carroll in right field. There's no pressure on them. Arizona's not supposed to be in this situation, right? And there's something to be said for that when a team just goes out there, they play loose, they're having fun. And as Tori Lovello said post that series in Milwaukee, a connected team is a dangerous team. They're a connected team, they believe in one another. Their bullpen has been fabulous. If they can go in and win the series, it wouldn't shock me if that happened, even though I think you'd have to say Philadelphia is the favorite. Now, they're the favorite. You're going to be the favorite when you got four home games in a seven-game series and you've been so dominant at home. How important is it from Arizona's side to score early? I think it's critical. And you saw that in the Dodgers series, right? They jumped on Kershaw for six runs in the first inning in game one. Then in game two against Bobby Miller, they put up a three spot in the first inning. And then they were scoreless until the third when they hit four homers against Lance Lynn. So it's funny, Chris, because you think it would be important. But then look what happened in the wild card series. They were down multiple runs in each of the two games that came back and won. They trailed 3 nothing in game one, trailed 2 nothing in game two. But I think this is a different animal than Milwaukee in terms of if you have an early deficit, the Brewers don't have the firepower to necessarily put you away. And they just waited out Burns and they finally got to him in game one. They waited out in game two against Peralta and they finally got to him and they took advantage of the Brewers bullpen. This Philly team's a little different and the Dodgers didn't necessarily have the pitching to, I, I think to really take down Arizona, but the Phillies do when you're going to go Wheeler and Nolan the first couple of games and you got guys like Suarez 
who are looming. This is, I think, a bigger animal for the Diamondbacks to deal with, to be honest with you, even though the Dodgers won 100 games and ran away with the West. You know, the thing that they have in Philly, which is so impressive, is they got a lot of velocity, and they got five different guys that can close it out, and they got a lot of velocity. Interesting, Braves couldn't hit velocity. D-backs can. And that's something that they really worked on, Chris, as a group. And talking to Tori Lovello before games and some of our conversations about just how good of a fastball hitting team they are. As you and I talked about that and how good I felt about their chances up against the Dodgers, considering Miller and Lynn rely on the fastball. Well, they work on this. It's not by accident, Chris, that they're a good fastball hitting team. This is something they actually work on. They crank up the velocity yeah. machine and they hit against it often. They do it once a homestand. They do it once a road series to get ready for velocity. And so if you're just going to come at them and try to blow them away with 96, 97, good luck because that's what they hit. You have to be dialed in with your off speed. You need to keep them off balance because they can square up the velocity pretty good. Yeah, they're second in batting average against teams that are 97-plus. Pitches 97-plus. They're second in all of baseball and batting average. They're first and on base percentage. So you can say, I'm bringing the fuel at you with the bullpen, uh, and even Wheeler gets it up there. But, you know, we'll see. That's why I, I – and this home field advantage thing, I mean, these numbers don't lie, Roxy. I mean, since Sisson's Bank Park opened up, it's Philly. You've ever been to a game in Philly? I'm talking Eagles. I've never done Sixers. I've never done Flyers, but I know what it's like for Eagles. I know what it's like for Phillies. It's the it's intense. Philly's an intense town. It is. It just is what it is. And they do not lose at at uh, Sisson's Bank. It's like I think what it, what excites me about this is that in the ALCS we've got two teams don't like each other and they know each other so well, right? There's no there you're in division, you know, you know each other, right? That's just the way it is. Astros, Rangers, they know each other. Let's see what you got. This one, the NLCS to me is like two teams that have the it factor, right? They didn't win their divisions. They're red hot. They got everything's going their way and two it factors clash and when two it factors clash only one of them's going to win, obviously, Captain Obvious. But that's what I like about it. Both have so much going for. Something's got to give. And you mentioned the road challenges that the Diamondbacks have, have have to deal with and going to Philly. And they've done it so far. There was a strong home field advantage in Milwaukee. The, that crowd was ready, and it didn't phase the Diamondbacks. And we know how it can be. A top Bernie Brewer, for God's sakes. We forgot we had this. Uh, Bernie, look at this. Bernie Brewer. They took down Bernie Brewer in the house that he built in Milwaukee. And didn't even phase him with the whole huge slide in left field. Right? <laughs> but then you also deal with Dodger Stadium, which is its own animal. Right? Yeah. In terms of the, the volume that they crank up and, and the crowd that, yes, they arrive late and they leave early. But they were passionate for the series. And they were frustrated when they fell behind in each of the two games. So Arizona has been road tested. And I think, look, we know so much about the Phillies because of their squad, and they went to the World Series last year. America really hasn't been introduced to the Diamondbacks until probably, what would you say, Chris, the Dodger Series? 
and maybe a little bit in the wild card too. Like who are these? You guys? know, because they played the Dodgers, that really people went, well, you know. But and how are they doing it? It's because you know they're young players, those veterans. Tommy Pham has always been a really good postseason hitter. Christian Walker's come up with some big hits so far in the postseason. I mean, how crazy was that moment with Gabriel Moreno, right? When they they called the ball down the right field line foul, and after initially saying it was a home run, the umps got together and overturned it and said foul ball. And the very next pitch, he crushes out to left field. That kind of sums up what this team has been about in the postseason, that nothing phases them. And they're going to go to Milwaukee, and yes, it can be – or to Philadelphia, and yes, it can be intimidating in dealing with that crowd. But it, it, to quote the great Josh Beckett from 20 years ago, we're just young and dumb enough to win this thing. Yeah, and you give Philly a lot of credit. Two straight years, they're doing it again, and led by Bryce Harper. This guy's special. And he's going to have a plaque someday in Cooperstown. And, you know, not every superstar who signs a big contract lives up to the billing, right? A lot of guys can put up regular season numbers, but you put the bright lights and the expectations on them, and they don't always come through. Uh, right now, you want to talk about great Philadelphia athletes. I mean, we can look at anything from Dr. J to – to Mike Schmidt. Uh, I mean, you're starting to look at people loving them. Some Bryce Harper, he's living up to the, to the billing. And you know, it's funny is when people kind of raise their eyebrows when he signed that contract, right? The length of it, the money that was floated to Harper right now, it might be looking like a deal. The Phillies got to be honest with you to sign him to that deal. What he's produced. I know he's battled some injuries and he's dealt with some things along the way. But he's had so many clutch moments already in his brief tenure with Philadelphia. And the Philly fans have embraced him. And the personality that he carries, he seems to be perfect for Philadelphia. But you look at this group, and it's him, and the way they've you talked about the embrace Trey Turner, Castellanos coming on, the emergence of guys like Alec Bohm and Bryson Stott, and certainly JT Real Muto. This is a team that knows how to win. And Yes, the regular season, they, they fell well behind Arizona or Atlanta in the division, but they found a way. It all, all we, as we've learned the last number of years, just find your way into the postseason. That's all you got to do. In these short series, anything can happen, and if you can get hot. And a team that's been good for over the, the length of the 162 games, the Dodgers have won 100 games for the fourth consecutive full season. The Braves, who did it again. Um but their pitching was both – I thought the Braves and Dodgers pitching was a question going in when the Braves dealing with the finger issue for Morton and Max Freed. If you stumble, this team is just – I think the, that the Phillies are built for the postseason. They're built for the short-term series. As long as they can get in, that's why I think they're so dangerous as they were last year and now again this year. What we're seeing, and we're trying to – we're having fun with this going. We cracked the code because we've, we've had all these people, analytics guys who've said, I don't like the postseason because it's just random. And the more that we've talked about it and dissect it, actually, it's the regular season that's mo more random. You got all of these guys, for example, I keep bringing up the rally monkey. They use 66 players this year, 66. So that means the Astros, the Mariners, the Rangers, 
all teams vying for the postseason. I had to play against 66 different dudes. That And look at how many guys played for the A. The randomness of, of your 40-man roster, and, and you got AAA guys coming up, and all this kind of stuff you did. But once you hit the postseason, as we finally broke this down with Eno Saris from The Athletic, is you slim down to the, your very best. So it's not really random. The randomness is 162 games, all the different players used, all the different pitchers, all the traveling, all the BS, all that's gone. There's no randomness between the Astros and the Rangers. You know who's on the 26. No one's coming from AAA. No, you know exactly who's playing. There's a, this is more, this is more of we now know what you got and what we got. There's no fourth and fifth and sixth starters. There's no back of the bullpen guy. No Austin Pruitt's throwing tonight, my friends. You're getting the very best of the very best. It's the slim down version of what you got. And that's why when you slim down the Braves and you slim down the Dodgers, you realize their pitching's not that good. And they feasted off bad teams. Well, you're now not facing bad teams. You're facing teams that are raring to go, that got the intensity, they're ready for the fight, and they're not as good as you. That I think we're starting, and we're really going to dissect this in the offseason, but you cover for ESPN regular season and postseason, so you get to experience both. I think there's a little bit overrated when you look, oh, they won 100 games. Well, who'd they win it against? Who are they playing? Who look, look who the Dodgers beat up. They beat up the Rockies. They beat up the Giants. They beat up the Nationals. They beat up the Pirates. That's how the, they they took care of the bad teams. The Dodgers struggled. If you look at their record against the good teams, they struggled against the good teams. And that's why they were flawed going into the postseason, where some of these squads, it, it's funny, it's interesting, this ALCS that we have. If you look at the regular season, the Rangers were dominated by the Astros. Yes. But then you had the Mariners who took care of the Astros and the Rangers dominated the Mariners. So it was like this whole triangle that they had going on. But then you're looking at the first couple of games of this ALCS right now. And with Texas up win winning in game two and winning game one, showing you that the postseason, it doesn't matter. Because in the regular season, yes, you're built for a three-game series. But you don't know when the series starts. Is this bullpen spent? Are they are they rested? Are they tired down there? What pitchers are available? How does it line up like you were talking about? Are we going to get a fourth and fifth starter in this series? That's not happening in the postseason. And the strength at the top of rotations with Arizona, with Gallon and Merrill Kelly, right? And there's questions when you get to three and four, what's going to happen with them? Is Brandon fought? How is he going to handle starting a game three at – Chase Field and Phoenix. Well, he handled game three pretty well against the Dodgers. So once you get to that point, I think it's a little bit different in terms of the way you look at the postseasons. Bullpens, who's healthy? Because all of a sudden the series starts, you have some time off, you can set it up how you want it. And that's a huge advantage for the teams that are top heavy in their rotation. All right, quickly, let's get to some football, get to your college football expertise. Deion Sanders... Has, has said multiple times, you know where you can find me. He has told everybody, you know how to find me. You know where you can find me. Did Stanford go find him? Uh, unfortunately for Coach Deion Sanders, they did. And give Troy Taylor a lot of credit. <laughs> what, what, Tony, whatever adjustments that, that Troy made at halftime, yeah. were phenomenal. 
Well, I can tell you, I was at the Willow Glen uh, Lee High School football game as my kids were cheering. Okay. And I'm getting, you know, because for all the Bay Area teams, like we do because these damn apps, I get all the updates and I look down, boop, Stanford's down 29 nothing at half. Stanford's been, you got to remember, Stanford's been playing football, Roxy, for well over 100 years. This is the greatest second half comeback in over 100 years of Stanford football. That's crazy. And to be honest, Chris, I went to sleep. I went to sleep at halftime. I did. I was in Utah. I was getting ready to call Utah and Cal the next day for Pac-12 Network. And so it was like I went to sleep about 1030 Mountain Time. And I wake up to my phone just absolutely lighting up in the middle of the night. Like texts from so many people that you watching this, you see what happened in Boulder. I'm like, no. Then I wake up. I'm like, come on. This didn't really happen. Like I had to go through numerous people to make sure that it actually happened. I didn't believe it when I read it from one person. And what an incredible comeback. And Alec Io Manor, the receiver who established his new Stanford single game record for receiving yards in a game. Look, we knew Colorado had its deficiencies, but I think it goes to show you the strength of the Pac-12, considering the first couple of weeks, they win at TCU, who played for the national championship last year. Then Colorado hammers Nebraska. It shows you the depth of this league that teams that Stanford, who are thought to be an afterthought in terms of the talent in this league, well, they just went and did what they did on the road in Boulder. And it really is impressive to see and at the same time, sad to see what's happening considering this is the last. How can you not? You got all these blue chip guys. You got all this talent. You're now able to bring in whoever you want with the nil money and all of that. How can you not play defense? And last year, they were able to overcome their deficiencies, Chris, on that side of the ball because they were able to generate so many turnovers, right? When you look at their turnover margin last year, they led the country. Yes, they gave up points, and yes, they gave up yards, but they're able to be opportunistic. That's why they were in that position if they'd won the Pac-12 championship game to go to the college football playoff. It was because their defense created turnovers. This year, that's not happening. And Notre Dame spanked them pretty good the other day. And they were the ones committing turnovers. And there were signs that things weren't good with USC. They were able to escape both the Arizona and Arizona State games. And those are teams you would think on paper that they would handle pretty easily. They didn't. Look at the Colorado game a few weeks ago. They had a huge lead but couldn't slam the door. And Colorado made it interesting. That's the problem with USC is defensively, and I don't know the I don't know if there's a disconnect between Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator, and what Lincoln Riley wants to do, but there's a real problem on that side of the ball, and it's reared its ugly head right now, and we're just entering the difficult part of the schedule for USC. The first half was supposed to be the easy part, and now well, their leadoff game wasn't easy. No, of course not. When you're you're dealing with you know the the, the Mountain West Conference chance from a couple of years ago. I get it. But even in that game, Chris, as one-sided as people will look at the score and they think it was, it really wasn't because San Jose State moved the ball pretty well against him in that game. Oh, no doubt. At halftime, they, they were pretty quiet. It was yeah. a legit game, yeah. Are you going to the game Saturday at Spartan Stadium? Yes, I am. I will be there. I think I might. I have a TV bye week this week. Um, I had the opportunity to do a national radio game, and I – said I want a weekend at home because I've been gone so much recently and my boss has showed some compassion for me and said okay it's fine 
All right. So, so quickly, yeah, quickly, you're a Heisman voter. Yeah. How we, I mean, is this thing like seriously up for grab? I mean, where, where, where are we with the Heisman? It's kind of all over the joint. It, it is. And I don't really zero in on how I'm ranking guys until November. I want to let it play out. And then a couple of weeks, I'll really hunker down and figure out who needs to be at the top of my list. And we came into the season, Caleb Williams, the returning Heisman winner with all he's done for USC. Certainly last Saturday's performance is going to hurt him. But you look at what Michael Penix is doing at Washington. Um, even his receiver, Roma Dunze, who's been phenomenal. Um, I think that Bo Nix, even with their loss in Seattle, what a game that was. Uh, that came down, you feel, for Oregon losing on a field goal that just missed. That could have tied the game. But what a phenomenal football game that was on Saturday. And it wouldn't shock me if we saw Oregon and Washington meet again in the Pac-12 championship game in Vegas. All right, buddy. Have a good week. Enjoy these baseball games. And we'll talk to you next week. You got it, Townie. The great Roxy Bernstein from ESPN. Do we got Scott? We do, yes. Just stay on this camera, by the way. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, a day early. Yeah, What's we're going on. I got a kids event after us, so I, I decided to go uh, go the famous Riddler costume that I do every single year for the show. I've talked about it for years with the fans, so I decided to bust it out. How are you? I'm great, and even better now. I love the look. <laughs> it looks fantastic. Obviously, it's very A's festive yeah. as well. So, oh, man, you're you're dumbing down on me a little bit. Now who are you turning into? Yeah, I, I put the, the A's Titleist golf hat on. It was getting hot. I've, been ha I've had it on for a half hour. So we, I have <laughs> to bring this up because the last time we had you on, you're at MLB Network. It was spring mm -hmm. training. I want to say, say you were in Tempe with the uh, Angels. And then I'm sure for a lot of our fans, where did you go? Now foul territory starts up, but you were fabulous on MLB Network. Tell the story about foul territory because we got so used to you on MLB Network, and then all of a sudden, this new career choice. Talk about it. Yeah, it was, it's been a long journey. MLB, I was there for over 11 years, and then I was like, got to go. Yeah. Um, so I left officially in February. Um, we'd been talking about doing this for a while. There's actually a great article in Awful Announcing from last week. I didn't know it was going to turn into that, but recommend everyone take a peek. It's all over socials, but been speaking to current and former players for years about what our game was missing from a media perspective. And I felt like more connection with players, more of that clubhouse feel, which we all know we're around players all the time. There's such great drama, conversations, authenticity, that it just felt like we were missing in our sport that football and basketball had. So here we go. I mean, to put it really simply, if you know people like, say, Pat McAfee show or what some of the guys at I Am Athlete are doing on the football world, right? All these media driven yeah. or athlete media driven shows and outlets that are out there just didn't see anything for baseball. Everyone was like, where is it? And we finally decided, screw it. Let's all put it together. So full time gig hosting foul territory with a cast of 10 people that are a part of it, all former players besides myself. And then Ken Rosenthal makes frequent stops. But then on the writer side of things too, I mean, what I've found is we actually have, you know, more writers and insiders that are a part of the mix than I initially anticipated because it's just become more of like this 
national or even international home for covering baseball, in my mind, the way that it should be covered. All 30 teams, no holding back, doesn't matter what the topic is, right? We go for it. And I think that's what the sport wants. And a younger audience, too, that's into authenticity and is used to growing up where someone does this and they start telling telling people what their thoughts are. And it doesn't matter what, you know, a corporation says or they don't have to worry about, you know, how pointed they have to be with their speech. And you're seeing that. So it creates a lot of viral moments. I think it's just cool access for players, too. So. It's been awesome. Yeah, I, I had a great ride with MLB. I felt like this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that it was a, I was a part of founding and starting up, and we're just getting started. We've had a lot of great audience interaction and now have the flagship show of Foul Territory, but many others that have been created from it, including Ken Rosenthal's Fair Territory, Legends Territory, which has had some cool combos with some major former players, Hall of Famers. So here I am, happier than ever, too, most importantly in life. Well, you know, think about it. Years ago, when we started this, people thought we were crazy, right? We were the first team to do it. You've been on the show. We had everybody on MLB Network's been on the show. We're going to be at the winter meetings again in Nashville. We're at the last two ones in San Diego. And everybody kind of looked at us in baseball from a team standpoint, because obviously what's different is you're not affiliated with a team. We're affiliated with a team, but all the teams are following what we're doing. They've been following since we started this thing in 2019. And how do you monetize it? How do you do it? How you know, so it's been, we've been the Guinea pig of baseball. And that's why I'm so happy for you guys. Cause you're now in this space. And I just think about, you know, I used to do a weekly show when AJ Przinsky was with the Giants. I was on the Giants flagship station, KNBR. We had them once a week. So I just, like, watch you guys. I watch your clips, and I know how he's a funny guy. He's a tough guy. He can be prickly at times. I mean, it's, I mean, he's perfect for something like this. And I'm just so happy for you guys because people need to understand this is where it's going. Terrestrial radio, cable, that's all leaving. The commissioners talked about, they may be taking over 16 of the 30 broadcasts this upcoming season. So what you guys are doing, great. I'm happy for you as we're all heading. To, this is the new frontier. And I've been on board, by the way. So if you go back to my own history, which I don't really self-promote much, and I enjoy doing what I'm doing behind the scenes just as much as being a part of what's you know in front of the phone camera, whatever you want to call it these days. You know, I'm a part of you know, founding this, developing it, hiring sales, the whole deal, which I love to do behind the scenes and hadn't really had an opportunity to, to kind of fully spread my wings. When MLB started partnering with tech companies, I was one of the first people to raise my hand when it was like, hey, would you rather call a game that's non-exclusive on linear TV only or an exclusive game that's for Facebook? I'm like, that's not even a question. For most people in my spot at the time, which was almost a decade ago, the answer was obviously TV. I don't, I don't want to be on Facebook for the game. And I was like, obviously Facebook for an exclusive <laughs> game. What are you talking about? Yeah. That eventually turned into the YouTube package that I was the voice of for, what was that? Maybe four years that we ran it. And that relationship ended last year with MLB and YouTube. But same thing. I was like, this is the best thing going in my mind. This is what I'm consuming. So I was like, I'm going to be part of what I'm consuming. And we got to do exclusive games for YouTube. They were an awesome partner. I love doing those games. And the last year I did it was myself and Yonder Alonzo. You can bring in fans like this and have conversations with them on a live chat that's all built within the same app. It was great. So I'm completely on board. I've loved what you guys are doing 
for a long time. I've wondered where is it for everyone else, but as you know, it takes a lot of hustle, a lot of buy-in from a lot of people. It's not easy to pull off. Same thing that we've experienced. A lot of former players that we're working with have to sacrifice time. A lot of them made a lot of money. They don't have to do anything if they don't want to, but they want to be part of the game, right? So how can we bring media to them? We can bring media to them by having home studios for players and building them up for them. That's what we did, right? By making everything as easy as possible. We do hit the road for shows already this year at times. And we have a big partnership with BetMGM. We'll do shows at casinos and at ballparks, but we're not abusing time of anyone because most of these players, especially if they did well and they made money, you know, Pierzynski and Todd Frazier, Adam Jones, some of these guys, they're not going to be able to sell their family on going to call 150 games for name that team. It's just, it's not going to happen, right? Those, those gigs are not paying $5 million. Like they make more, I mean, I'm generalizing here, but they probably can keep their money in their piggy bank and make more on interest. So it, it has to be convenient for them, but we have to, it's important, I think for our game to make sure that the most prominent personalities in our sport as they retire still have a voice because that that's what drives fan engagement as well. They want to hear from those guys when something goes down. And in football, they've got it down to a T. You're a major quarterback. You're going to be somewhere. And it doesn't have to be on air anymore, right? Or on a regular TV network. It could be your own company like the Mannings have with Omaha, which is another great example. But we need that. And so that's why this has come together and will continue to grow because we're putting it in a position where more people, more former players can join the party and they can expand themselves. How important is it for you after all those years of doing great work at MLB Network, but now you can do what you want to do? It's everything. I feel like it's liberating and it's not, there's zero regret and I loved what I did. I just felt like, also put the Theo Epstein theory on it where he said 10 years at a spot, no, I will not stay beyond that. Obviously, Theo's accomplished a lot. I'm just saying I liked that idea. You only get one life. I don't want to be at the same place the entire time. If you're completely in love and you're doing every single iota of what you imagine you would do, that's fine. And even if you are doing that and then your dreams change and you evolve as a person, that's fine too. So that's what happened with me. I just felt like I did what I wanted to do there. The, the direction of where media is going is not part of just straight up linear television. So for me, this is where it's at. And it's also, just so you know, this show is on linear TV too. Like one of our deals that we signed pretty early on was with stadium, which is not just a streaming app that's free, but also they have, I mean, like when I visited my parents a month ago, I turned on the TV. The first thing that was on was foul territory. And it wasn't from YouTube even connected. It was from their stadium channel that they have on linear TV. So I still believe in reaching everyone. I just felt like that's what you need to do. You need to reach everyone where they are. They don't need to come to you. And it's something we should just keep talking about in baseball as well, because you can't send people to 50 different directions you need to go to where they are which i think everyone understands that it's easier said than done but we have content on not just every social platform but we're trying to get content on just every platform period so that we can hit more baseball fans no doubt about it and as you mentioned if you're not hitting people here you're 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 crazy that's where women are now more likely to be angry that they forgot their phone than their purse if they leave the house. I mean, there's statistics that the phone is, we're so phone driven. It's unbelievable. Getting to the World Series, we've talked about all that. You know, we've talked about how home field advantage doesn't matter anymore. This whole score first, the team wins. What are you making so far of just the playoffs and the World Series in general? 
by the way, I would echo that. My my phone is my wallet. I don't want to show, but like, right? Like, yeah. that's because you got like, Apple Pay or whatever. It's like you can survive without the purse now. I'm a techie. I, I got it all there. So yeah. yes, if, if the phone is gone, I'm lost. I, I try to give myself breaks, but we know the deal. Like that is where I'm getting everything. <laughs> it's crack. Doing. It's okay. You can say it. It's crack. <laughs> I, I can't get to a destination. I can't pay. I can't learn anything pretty much. Right. Obviously. Yeah, sure. There's old school books. It's just, it's not me. I'm just, I'm built off my device and pr- probably part of it is a product of, of what I do for a living, but world series time. Here's the thing that stands out to me in a lot of the conversations we've had, both with current, former players, writers. The Diamondbacks were a sexy team in spring training, if everyone remembers, because of the brand of baseball that they played. They ended up having a good, not great season, and there are a number of reasons to that. It certainly doesn't look like the most power-packed juggernaut franchise we've seen. Yeah, they molded their roster what they thought was around a rule change and an evolution of our game that has gone down right now. It has happened, and that gets magnified in the playoffs. So we're seeing that with Arizona. Now, they surprised everyone with their power against the Dodgers, and there is pop in those bats, but not a ton. I mean, Mike Hazen, who's the GM of the team, who made some really incredible trades over the last few years, was the first one to say multiple times this year on the record, we are not going to be the top home run hitting team. We have to find out other ways to win. So they've done that. They make contact. They're pain in the, I don't know if I can say what, what I'm allowed to say on this here, but they're pain in the whatever you want to call it on the bases, right? They're always wreaking havoc there. And at this point, it's just get on the bases and go. I mean, yeah. they, they don't get caught. Like anybody that's on the bases for them, not anybody, but just about anybody can move, can run. They've got it down to a T. So I think it's a dangerous team, but I think they're setting a new tone for how we'll look at things in the off season because it's a copycat league. I think people are going to be like, hold up. Maybe we need to operate a little bit differently as a franchise. I mean, of course, to, to use your like, where's the big team or the big market franchise example the Yankees are like the opposite of the Diamondbacks. They clog up bases. They need to get younger and more athletic. So, and I think it's not just about spending or not spending money. It goes well beyond that. Like the Yankees could have spent differently. They they chose when they had a chance with free agency, aside from Judge, they chose to overlook someone like Bryce Harper. And now their fans have been freaking out. Dude was in his mid-20s. That's a great sign for a franchise like that. So I don't know how I got there, but the point is we're learning a lot from this world series right now. And I don't, I don't think it's a fluke. I think there will be more teams that are built like the diamondbacks over the next, whatever it is years until the game changes again. Um, on the other side, the Rangers on paper are a better team. They've got more star power. There's a reason why they're here too. I think they proved to everyone why you don't need to tank and rebuild for a billion years to create a great franchise. They went through their lean years, but not that long. And then they were able to build it back up quickly with superstars that they bought that have delivered. Semyon's had a tough postseason, but he was great for them during the year. Seager's a top three hitter in the sport and top probably five or six player overall in the sport right now. So when I add it all up at this point, I think these teams are pretty evenly matched. I would be shocked if it doesn't go at least six games in my mind. Um, But Arizona is very close to being up 2-0 in this series right now. I still give the Rangers the edge. Like if I had to predict... Not that I've done that well in this postseason, but if I had to predict, I would say Rangers in seven, but I don't feel good about it. I had the Diamondbacks in five, and boy, I could have been looking real good because I think their their style of play, to me, and this goes against the A's because when we were in the playoffs in 18, 19, and 20, we were built off home runs and walks. 
And this league, especially the big market teams, have been built on the three true outcomes. And what ends up happening is that works great for six months. And that looks that's great in July in Kansas City or now August in Oakland beating up on us. But now you get to the postseason, if, if the ball's not going out, you're being exposed. And that's what the Diamondbacks are doing to you. Because they're hitting, they're running, they're bunting, they're doing all these different things that win baseball games, athleticism plays, defense plays, bullpen. So it's been a lot of fun to watch. And I, and I wonder what exactly what you're saying, too. And if baseball does go to, to only 12 pitchers like they're talking about, so maybe less openers and you're going to have to get more from starters and everything. But this style of play of younger athleticism, movement, great defense – the Diamondbacks are showing us something. Yeah, and it wasn't, you know, there was a certain point in the year before it kind of started going bad for Torrey Lovello, but at one point they were leading the Dodgers in division. We love him, by the way. We've had him on the show. I've got it written down here because he's a former ace, so we bring him on the show. And he said to us they're built on four things, love, trust, commitment, and effort. Not one of those is an analytic. No, you also need talent. But, yes, I, I love Torrey. He's awesome. I love him. But you're right. What you're describing about those A's teams that had a good run, I don't because I'm looking at the big picture and, and there was success there in the regular season. But tell me which brand of baseball is more fun to watch. It's not even oh. close. Is it? No. Who Who's sitting there going, you know what? I really love a three true outcome all the time. And it's not even an old school versus a new school thing. I mean, you and I last time I was on with you and you've seen me on. I mean, I hosted plenty of like numbers driven shows. Yeah. I like some of that stuff. I like some of the you know stats that that have been created. And thanks to say Statcast, where we've been able to measure exit velocity and and sprint speed to see who's the fastest on the base path in certain um, to a certain extent, outs above average because I still think we have a lot of work to do in, in terms of defensive metrics. I can talk new age stats, but I just I think it goes beyond that. It's just like this is entertainment. I want to watch fun, and to me, where we the game was slowing down a ton and you just weren't getting action, that's taking away from the brand of ball that I fell in love with. And I know that the younger generation, cause I'm not that young anymore. The younger generation does not want to see that either. They want pace. They want action. They don't want to have an excuse that they have to go to this every five seconds. So I think we're heading in a good direction. And I have to imagine actually, and I haven't really thought of this much, but I have to imagine the league loves seeing the diamondbacks in a spot like this, because this helps the push of getting away from that kind of clogged up brand of baseball that we got free. 10 year period and getting to more action. We, of course we want more athletes too. Like the diamondbacks are showing us that we get more athletic ball players into this sport, more, more bat to ball skills, more speed. It's going to help. So that's great because if you're a player, you might get a little bit more of a look if you're missing a little on your, on your power tool, but you've got everything else, you know, where in the past for a while that gets heavily discounted. So yeah, I'm all about it. I think it's cool. I hope we get more players like this into our sport. Let's end on this. With all the players that you have, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this, just when they talk about the difference between playing in the postseason and playing in the regular season, what do they talk about? I think it's completely different, right? Because you get into this wave of, I don't want to say getting by or routine or anything, but every you know it can get monotonous and it gets methodical. And that's fine. I think that's how they get through such a long, really grueling stretch. Sure. You can say like, they're not getting bashed. It's not football every day, 
But being asked to perform at that level for that amount of time every single day and also the the fact that hitting a baseball is probably the hardest thing to do in any pro sport, it's a lot. Now the postseason comes in, it's different. Everything's short and everything's intensified. The strategy is definitely um, held to a much higher standard. I think many guys are, are kind of more tight and nervous. But actually what we've seen is there's plenty of other guys that – even if they feel more intensity and pressure on the situation, knowing how much is at stake. I think the ones that we've had on our show, um, like I'm thinking of some of the diamondbacks that we've had on over the last couple of weeks, Brandon fought and Lawler maybe was a little more shy. Cause he's, I mean, he's been in the league for five minutes. Not that fought's been in for that much longer. Uh, Paul Seawald, Jace Peterson, some of these guys, they're trying to, at least with us, relax for 20 minutes and be yeah. like, yo, it's still life. It's still a day. And if I go too hard and get too tight, and that's usually recipe for, for choking, right? For not doing well. So I think it's it's different. They know that, but they're trying to treat it the same, you know? No doubt. No doubt. It's 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 fascinating, you know, because we, we focus so much postseason with football and the NBA. I covered both for years. And then baseball – we, uh, it's just random playoffs. It's like, yeah, we're now getting more into a tournament style. It's uh, I, I really enjoyed it. By the way, let me just say this. You look and sound happy. That's the number yeah. one thing. You look and sound happy. Thank you. I've been looking forward to doing something like this, you know, for a while. So I appreciate it. That's it's genuine. I am happier than ever. Yeah, I like I need it. I need a change. I need to switch things up. I also I'm pretty opinionated and I, I do not take center stage on foul territory for anyone that's listening here right now, that's, you know, tuned into what we do. I do not take center stage, but I do try and, you know, represent the fan perspective, the media broadcaster type of perspective with the players, the former players and current players that we have on and the insiders and writers. So I just feel like I've never been able to fully express my opinion. You know, I mean, you know, also, I mean, I worked for the league, like there are limitations there. We don't, it's not even like, oh, I can't talk about something that that was part of it sometimes. But it's also like not even part of the agenda of a show sometimes. Like it's not even brought up like topics that we really like to get into. So I've just you feel like that's kind of bottled up. And um, and you just I, I feel like I don't have to be as much of an actor, you know, for lack of a better word. It's not like you were faking everything you were saying, but I don't have to worry about anything anymore. I'm just here with friends having a good time, which I think is what modern media looks like. It's what you're doing right now, right? It's just like, hey, we're live on YouTube. Join the party. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes to make it look and sound and have guests and everything like that be so great. But at the same time, at the end of the day, people just want to have relatable humans that they can talk to, that they can listen to. And that's what I feel now so much more um, than in the past. So, yes, you are spot on. I am definitely happy. <laughs> well, the content's great. Your guys' stuff, what you're doing, and you guys are just going to grow. We're really happy for you. And uh, are you going to be in Nashville? Uh, not sure yet. Cause we've got a few other trips we're figuring out. So this year has been really nuts. Like I didn't think it would take off to this extent. So, um, we're kind of like week by week with our schedule right now, but we will be on the road multiple times in the off season. I just don't know if, if we're doing that. A lot of it, like it's been up in the air with, with sponsors sending us to places. So, um, new show. So sometimes sponsors fund certain things and don't fund other things. So we'll see TBD. Cause we didn't really plan to do that. But I also didn't plan that I would be on the road 
basically every other week, the entire season to do a show from somewhere. I thought we would, like I told you earlier, I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying to be in the homes of the players and just do shows in the studios. And then yeah. you get some popularity, you get some sponsors and they want you to go do shows on the road. So to answer your question, I would say probably not. Um, I, I don't think we need to be there versus some of the other things that we want to travel for coming up. So, um, but also that could change like in a week. And we got to get you on at some point. Well, I'll tell you what. We have a set always. We'd love to have you come by the set. We get everybody to stop by and keep promote what you guys are doing. But if not, yeah, don't be a stranger. I'd love to come on, but we'd love to have you come on again because I've always loved your work. I think you're a fantastic broadcaster. I'm happy that you guys all of us going this way, we're all really helping each other. We're we're conditioning the fans to you got to get off cable, you got to get off terrestrial radio. This is where you need to come. We're all going forward together, and it's free. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I care about that a lot too, right? It's free. Like at the end of the day, you, it doesn't matter what your financial situation is. Yes, I mean, you have to have some type of device, but aside from that we're not charging anyone anything to do anything. You know, the way that this is supported for the most part, you know, is from sponsors and stuff like that. So um, our fans have been very supportive on that front too. You know, obviously we're going to throw like, like you do and like anyone would do promo codes and stuff like that, but that's good. That means you don't, you don't have to pay 300 bucks for cable and everything else. You're still going to have to pay them for your internet unless you got some other plans that you're able to <laughs> figure out. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's important to me. I, I really, and I, I remember seeing that from some of the other um, shops that, that we were also looking at to see how they were operating with athletes. Right. And, and you would hear from a lot of people that are in charge of their own media outlets saying like, Hey, we want our friends to be able to access all, if not most of what we're doing for free, right? On, on pod and on socials and on YouTube and everywhere else. So and same thing, even our, our distribution deal on stadiums. So um, sure, we're the, we'll, if a place comes calling, which there's been some conversations and they want to give us millions of dollars to be on a certain platform, the answer, I'll tell you right now, because I can already tell you the answer. The answer will be yes, but we're still, we'll, we'll create that for you because there's no rules. We can just create another show and we still want to be able to access our fans for free somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? No doubt. No doubt. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun. And, and, and the insight from all the players that you're getting is second to none. So continued success and let's talk soon. Yes. Appreciate it. Welcome. Come on anytime. So we'll, uh, we'll hit you up. Our people will talk to your people. All right, buddy. You be well. Cheers. Have fun. Great stuff. We want to thank Brent Rooker, Roxy Bernstein and Scott Braun for stopping by A's cast live. Now back to Ace Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.